Are you curious about how you might have a more fulfilling work life? Well, you're not alone. In fact, the numbers show us that many of us want more fulfilling work lives. I'm Susan Mikriadon, your host. And as a finance director, ops director and leadership coach, who has lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences and perspectives. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the people side of work life and explore ways to let your uniqueness shine through by sharing insights, stories, strategies and techniques to inspire your work life. Today I am really delighted to be joined by Rebecca Cheatham. Rebecca, welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, Susan. Rebecca, you started out in banking. So numbers, you're no stranger to numbers, but we're not going to go there. It might come up in conversation, but we're not going there. So I read that you have an unwavering belief that life can be extraordinary. And your mission and the driving force behind everything you do is that you want to make the world happier, healthier and kinder. So tell us why. <laughs> I love that. Um, yes, I do. I have. Everyone knows me, knows I'm a I'm a big passionate bunny and I'm very passionate about getting the best out of life. So I really want to just absorb everything life entails, including like the, the really rubbish stuff or the, the, and the amazing stuff. And I think it's all part of the journey. And I am very passionate about sharing that with people in the sense of life can be so much more than I'm just going to sit here and be miserable and, and, and think about all the stuff that I could have and I don't have and so I really try and work with people to like kind of reframe stuff and be like right what can we do what can we do to make your life an enjoyable life for you and that's what kind of started me on this track because similar to you I, I, I trained as a coach and I did a lot of self-work around just improving my life because I I had a bit of a rocky start to the world and it took me god over 20 years to get like probably until my late 20s I was just a bit of a mess and I did so much work on myself to just get myself into a strong mental state to a, a really good place and I then just thought there's so much more that can be done and so I just wanted to share this I I'd seen when it had gone wrong for myself and other people around me and I'd also seen when it had gone very very right so I was like right something needs to be done let's share this and I just yeah that's what fueled it and it's just gone it's just gone from there really there's quite a few things in there but I like the way you use could and not should because yes. should is one of those words that puts pressure on people and really you're opening people up to opportunities or seeing things in a different way yeah yeah yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, the best advice I ever had was stop shudding on yourself. 
which I think is brilliant. And when you say an American accent, it sounds even better. And it's, it just, it's just such a, a wonderful way to remember that, that you know, life shouldn't be any particular way. And I think that's what is really important because you get this toxic positivity side of things, don't you, where everyone's like, you must be happy all the time and everything must be great and you must be achieving like all these wonderful people on Instagram and YouTube. And actually, it's not about that. It's about can you live a life where you feel good about it? Like, can you do, you know, wake up in the morning and feel positive about what you're going to do that day? Can you have hope in your, in your life, in your everyday? And can you build strong relationships? Like, can you enjoy yourself? Can you find meaning? Like all that side of things. It's not about you know, being whatever you see on YouTube or whatever. It's about living a life that you feel satisfied with because you can. And it's, yeah, that, it's not about shitting on yourself. <laughs> it's not about shitting on yourself. And I must, I'm going to practice that in an American accent later. But we, we tend to follow linear paths. We, we follow what maybe we've seen ahead of us rather than opening ourselves up to some things that somebody used squiggly recently, but also just going around corners and not knowing what's ahead, but having a sense of adventure as opposed to apprehension. How how don't we know that intuitively? Yeah, it's such a good question, such a good question. Like, you know, I think a lot of society puts on the fact that it should be going in this linear path but this age you should be having you know babies and marriage and all this stuff and life should be in a certain way and so we start absorbing that from around us and I think social media has made that even stronger in the fact that we see all these beautiful people with filters on and living their best lives and um, but we only see their social media presence and we see the backstage of our own lives so we see all the messy stuff and we're like oh you know like why, why does theirs look so like you know they've got life together and mine's so messy because you know what you're thinking you know all the stuff that goes on underneath your skin and in your mind and so you think you're on a different path to other people but you're not we're all on this squiggly like he's a squiggly little path and it's okay if we're going up and down and up and down you know within reason and we're not always going to take steps forward sometimes it's going to be steps back sometimes it's going to be hiding under the duvet for a day like that that's, that's completely natural it's just people they people like you said put so much pressure on themselves and and it, they just it gets passed through generations it gets passed through societal norms and yeah we need to kind of almost step out and say you know we're not all thriving actually sometimes days are really really hard and that's okay because that's all part of the adventure yeah and I suppose as well our parents I think and bear with me a second while I while I talk about this one but our parents I suppose want us to be happy and to them and it's not their fault but to them the happiness means having all of that the job and the stable income and the house and the partner and the kids and it's well intentioned but for me I mean that was not my path and that was never going to make me happy and I fought against it but now there's such a joy when you find joy because you're doing it on your own terms and then life is what you make it but what happens 
when you lose that fight or you don't break free. And I think that's maybe where you come in, Rebecca, looking at not letting people lose that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think often we think that we're losing a fight because our frame of reference on the world is that it has to be a certain way in order to be winning in life. And I think there's a very fine line between what we understand as life as it is, like life how it's meant to be, versus losing and winning. And all this, do you mean like one one of my favorite quotes ever, which I think summarizes it quite well, is that um, the problem with humans is that we believe we shouldn't have problems. And if you really think about that, you're like, yes, we do. We believe you know, life should be a certain way and we shouldn't actually have fights with our partner. We shouldn't you know, struggle in our job. We shouldn't have days where we feel like we just want to cry all day because life shouldn't be like that. Life, because we've been sold this big dream. You know, people move, move to New York for the big dream. You know, like people move countries, they move everywhere. And, and it's because we're sold this big dream when actually life is made up of everything, all the good and bad and ugly. And I think it's taking away that I'm losing this battle and being like, actually, it's just a challenge. So what am I going to do to help me overcome this? And what am I going to do to learn from it? Rather than think this has beaten me, let's go, right, what's next? And baby steps. People try and take big steps, but just baby steps each time. What do I do next? What do I do next? And it makes life manageable. And choice. I think even knowing that you have choice, because again, back to, and I don't want to stay on should all the time, but there is a, you've, you get to a stage where you feel like you are not in control or you do not have choice over reporting to that bad boss or living in a certain neighborhood or whatever it might be. And that can restrict and restrain you too. Mm, yeah I love that. I think the thing with humans is that we hate to not have choice we want autonomy we want that independence of choice and anytime which is why so many people have been so you know angry about the restrictions over the last year it's because they felt their choices and freedom have been taken away but because we naturally always crave that now what we a lot of the time we don't understand is that we have more choice than we realize like you're you're um talking about now don't get me wrong there are there are people in this world that don't have a choice there they they have to live in certain places they have to go to certain workplaces and things like that but what i always want to kind of plant the seed of is that even in the worst situations we have more choice than we realize and, you know, it's everyone has a certain choice. And, you know, like, um, like we, were, we were talking about this before, Frank Tull, Victor Frankl, think of his life. So he's spent three years in concentration camps. And that is the worst of the worst. You know, being there, his wife was taken away, his family was taken away, his manuscript that he'd worked years and years and years on, which is his, his big thing, was taken away. And he was made to do the most horrendous things for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And he chose to behave and think in a certain way. And when he said, you can take away everything, you can take away all my freedoms, but you can't take away my attitude and my choice of attitude. And that's what I always like to remind people of is that 
you regardless of anything else you have that element of choice in there mm. and then I, I i'm a big fan of that victor frankel book a man's search for meaning and it's definitely worth a read for anyone that hasn't read it or a reread if you have but i'm also that reminds me of 1984 too and by the thought police it's kind of you know you, you were they were watching everything you were thinking as such but they couldn't work out what you were thinking you were always left with your own thoughts and therefore if you can imagine yourself in a field of puppies then you can have joy in your life you don't even need to physically be there yeah 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 it's, I love that and it, it's the power of the brain isn't it and I I think that's what like when I do talks and things like that I always try and get people to shift their mindset around okay what do you have options and choice over and it's your mindset so what can you do to shift that how else can we think about this and it's not undermining the fact that we are facing you know ridiculous amount of struggles it's not undermining anyone's suffering but it's saying that do you know what actually a hell of a lot of control is in your hands and that's really empowering so no matter what you're going through right now you know here's a little bit of hope that you still have choice and option over an element of your life and that is you know is incredible to work with brilliant and it's well it, it builds resilience as well it doesn't it knowing that you can fall back on yourself when you need to and that you have what you need within you don't always need to go outside to get it now the other th the thing I think that you I've certainly read that you talk about a lot Rebecca is the prevention or getting to something before it escalates and the world we live in is very much about treatment we, we, we treat something rather than try and get to the root cause and prevent it. So what, what got you into that frame of mind, I guess? How did you realise to come at it from that angle? Mm, mm, great question. So my, so I, I've always had an interest in, in mental health anyway. And you know, from, from experiences growing up, all the way through and and from corporate experiences in banking you're know, seeing that kind of environment around me kind of really pushed me into the preventive side of things is that when I when I was in the banking world I, I trained as, as the coach and I started coaching a lot of people around stress and I realized that a lot of stuff that they were trying to achieve through coaching they weren't able to achieve because they were stuck in this and feeling anxiety about stuff, burnout. They were having long periods of low mood. All that stuff was getting in the way so that actually the goals that they were coming to try and achieve weren't able to attain because it was just, you know, it was not possible, right? In the state that they were in. And so I started working with them a little bit more around that. And I felt quite, to be honest, like quite incapable of being like, how do I manage this? Like, this is a huge obstacle to get across. And um, so I started exploring it a little bit more, learning more about it. And I started moonlighting on the weekend alongside banking <laughs> as a, a mental health support worker. 
And I started working on wards, working with, you know, really, really, really mentally ill people. So, you know, severe psychosis, severe depression, severe bipolar, the whole range of mental health conditions and really, you know, bad signs of self-neglect. All this stuff was coming up, drug and substance misuse. Literally, these people had really, really difficult lives. And when you read their case files, what I saw along the way was that the ball had been dropped so many times, like whether it was stuff that could have been done when they were admitted into hospital before, whether education could have been there in their family, in their schools, support could have been given to them so much earlier on. And if it had, they wouldn't be where they are right now. I looked around, it scared me. Like I'd grown up around experiencing mental health difficulties around me at school, everywhere, but seeing it in that that way, made me think this this can't be how things are evolving. And the more I learned about mental health at work and the impact, the damage it was having in the organizational world, I could see it around in friendship groups, thought something needs to be done. And I just was like, I need to be more involved rather than reacting. I didn't want to just be like, oh, let's solve this now. I wanted to get back. And how can we educate? How can we get people on board? How can we get people proactive about looking after their mental health? How can we educate people how to spot it in other people? And then from there, we can hopefully create a a healthier society, which feeds back into itself then over and over again. That was my passion behind it. Wow, that's brilliant. I love this. How do people feel like the bankers, for example, when they want to up their performance and they can't because of stress and you say, well, you need to take a break or, you know, you have to tackle this element of knowing yourself before you get to that promotion. Does that go down well? Yeah, um, so it depends on the person, very, very dependent on the person. So some people are quite open to it and you'll find that once you start exploring mental health and well-being and all this personal development side of things people are like oh I love learning about myself and some people just like to be analyzed and some people like to have like theories to understand themselves and just because the more you can understand yourself and why you behave the way you do and all these things things start clicking you're like oh this makes sense and your life just starts piecing together so some people love it and then some people are quite resistant but actually you really need to get down to the gritty side of of really stripping everything away and knowing yourself and understanding what's going on under the surface and gritty is a great word actually because it takes grit to to do that doesn't it and what comes out you may not always be happy with but but it's worth it Oh my God. And I guess, Rebecca, the impact of being in an unhappy place at work or on a on stress or whatever, it's not just restricted to mental well-being either, because it can manifest itself in physical ways like back pain, for example. Yeah. And I don't know how open people are to understanding that side of things do people do we understand that our mental difficulties can actually manifest themselves physically as well Mm. and that's great like and you're saying that like a lot of people don't understand it you're right you know a lot of people 
you know, back in the day, even from a medical point of view, we saw the mind and the body very different and you used to go to the doctor about physical stuff. You wouldn't go to the doctor about mental stuff. And the fact that they were interlinked and, and had feedback loop on each other was not even a, not even a possibility in their minds back then. We've grown a lot from that. And I do a lot of mental health first aid courses and I've noticed the, the shift. So what I've noticed when I ask people about, OK, what can protect your mental health and what causes a risk to your mental health and things like that? And then how does it manifest? People do bring out the physical aspects a lot more now. People are making that connection. And I think that is such a profound step we've made because a lot of the time people understand the way that you know, it's shown itself physically after they've gotten ill. I, I, I knew a police officer, for example, who had a breakdown and he said after he'd had a breakdown from all the, all the trauma he'd experienced, he was able to spot that actually back pain was one of the first signs that he was starting to have this, this mental breakdown. But looking back, he was able to see it, not at the time. So like a lot of times people see it afterwards, but actually if we can get people to spot this stuff and also the medical profession, that if someone's coming in and going, I've got this agonizing shoulder pain, you know, I've got, I've got all these repeated headaches. I feel sick all the time. I feel dizzy. There's no reason for it. Then people are going, okay, what else is going on in your life right now and unpicking that it needs to start from you know from the people themselves but also the medical profession yeah and it's the stories that we're carrying that are important as opposed to where the ache is or the headache is or whatever it is isn't it it's the whole person and you know I, I interviewed someone recently or we had a conversation about touch and something that was really profound was he said you know if you shake somebody's hand or touch them on the shoulder you're touching a whole person not part of them and and I think that's the same idea is that whatever we present with it's all of us that's presenting with it not part of us but then how do employers get ahead of this Rebecca because I I know the cost of people being off work for back pain or stress it changes all the time but a figure I read recently was 35 billion lost in because of well-being and workplaces have to be able to support the whole person where are we with that side of things? You know, it's great to hear the medical profession and the people are recognizing it, but what about, and of course, workplaces are made up of people, (laughs) but how do we revolutionize that side? How do we get workplaces to really put people first? Mm, mm, I love that. Firstly, I love that whole, even touching the whole person. Oh, that really, really hit home. I'm going to remember that forever. That's, That's brilliant. Um, and it's such a, such a such a good question and you're right and and the recent report I was actually um I was reading recently that the costs over the last two years the costs have gone up by 16 percent and it's now reached 45 billion cost and like yeah it's of of mental ill health and that's just mental health so that's way when mental ill health manifests itself as mental ill Ill health not taken in consideration if someone's off off from work and the back pain and they don't realize it's linked to mental ill health so they're yeah astronomical costs i think the the difference that 
this last year's had has been profound within organizations. I think people are starting to realize, especially the clients I'm working with, are starting to realize that it is a priority and we need to prioritize it urgently, looking after you know our the workplace well-being. But often like you know, companies don't know what to do. They, they don't know what actions to take. And they, it feels like a really, really bad, big, heavy ball to carry that they're like, right, how am I going to support this person? How do I know what to ask? How do I know how to support them? You know, that people are scared about, oh, if I start making mental health a thing at work, then everyone's going to be off because they're all going to say, oh, I need a stress day. Or, you know, people are, you know, some organizations are worried that if they train people as mental health first aiders, people will think they're therapists and they'll be trying to walk around the organization trying to you know therapize people you know it's because it's people don't understand naturally we've we've got this culture haven't we that um, we don't talk about it don't talk about it brush it under the carpet and it will all go away but I think what people are realizing is that, that doesn't work and like you said the costs are incredible around mental ill health and so you know people are realizing they need to do it now they're realizing that you know you'll improve not just productivity and the fact that people won't be off sick as often but you'll also you know make people more creative and more innovative and you attract better talent like people realize that they're really starting to realize it and i'm working with some incredible people who are very very passionate about helping their staff it's just that a, bit, a lot of people don't know what to do next and so that's where it needs to come from in the sense of, OK, this is this is how we can approach this. Here's a good step plan to get those practices in place so that your employees feel supported and you've got the culture that basically reinforces that. Mm. And I mean, w- one thing I wanted to say was, of course, sometimes back pain or physical pain is purely mm mechanical as well it is it's not always associated with you know manifesting stress manifesting itself or whatever but that yeah I I suppose it's we're also afraid maybe of opening up those conversations you know how do we shut them down are we going to be able to cope as another human being opening up to someone in front of us or as the person who someone is opening up to we feel like we should again there's that word have some training or some background but often you're just a sounding board people need to be able to talk to someone they need to just vent they need to let it out yeah don't really always need specialist skills to have these conversations you just can meet the person human to human yeah I absolutely love that I love that and it's so true I think that's one of the biggest aha moments that come from the mental health first aid course is that oh wow I don't have to solve everyone's problems like it's just stripping it back and being like okay I'm just going to be human like you said human to human and just have a conversation give you space to feel heard and and listen to what what's going on for you like that you know giving someone that that emotional support and that validation of what they're going through that is incredible and if that is the only thing you do for that person that is absolutely monumental so it's also taking that weight off our shoulders that we don't have to solve everything it's giving that space to someone so sometimes they can solve it themselves just by you holding that space for them yeah so and we all know how to talk to people because we've been doing it all our lives yet somehow I think we 
because we still have this divide of when you come into work, you're there to do something specific mm-hmm. and not to be yourself. Yet we want you to be yourself because that's how we get the best out of you. But we just still haven't married those two, I think. Yeah, so true. But hopefully change is a change is a foot, which is great. Yeah, yeah I, I think the, the, the want is there. The want is there from organisations. The want is there from people. It's just uh, people don't know what to do next. But, you know, it, it's a very, it's a, quite a clear process when you've got the tools, when you've got the skills, when you've got the knowledge around it. And then, then the confidence comes with that. And then people know how to support their staff. And again, it's, it's the baby steps, isn't it? Start somewhere. You don't need to change the world overnight. You can do it slowly, slowly and just make progress. Yeah. yeah. But Rebecca, what about yourself? What are some of the things that you enjoy or that work for you? Mm. Well, um, you know, you know I, I'm a meditation teacher, so obviously I'm going to say meditation is one of the most incredible things for me. It's been an absolute game changer just the fact of stabilizing my emotions it's completely natural for everyone to have good days bad days and that to do a natural curve but I found through meditation I've been able to want the highs are not as high and the lows are not as low it's like more of a, a stable path and then also I, I'm able to kind of see my thoughts and observe what's going on before reacting and I'm a very passionate and spontaneous person so adding a layer of pause in oh it's it's changed things for me <laughs> like I'm you know actually being able to think before I react is is incredible and so yeah that's really shifted things for me then obviously like yoga naturally goes into that because I use my body and like you said you know body and mind is so entwined so when I move my body it shifts up my mind as well so it really works for me and also sleep sleep has been such a huge fundamental part of my again stabilizing moods achieving stuff within my business having focus all that stuff because people often I find have this badge of honor around sleep I only got four hours sleep last night or I got up at 4 a.m and started doing it which is great if you get before 4 a.m absolutely fantastic make sure you're getting enough sleep to make sure you're pro- like you know productive and you're able to actually function properly because when we sleep it clears out a lot of rubbish in our brains or like plaque that's built up it helps to kind of regulate our emotions and process what's gone on the day before like it's such a vital part of our restoration and our emotional stability all of that so it's not something that could be pushed aside and that's something that I've really been very passionate about is my sleep hygiene am I getting to bed on time is it consistent am I waking up for consistent time you know am I getting quality sleep that's yeah absolutely fundamental for me they're also easy to do I mean you can do them all yourself for yourself without buying any kit yes yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and that's the thing you've got to remember that you know we we know instinctively what we need to do there's there's so much we can do for our mental health and physical health that costs no money but it's just making sure that are you doing it 
are you consistent with it you yes it's going to be hard to form a habit but once you do it becomes non-negotiable and that shifts things for you but like you said baby steps baby steps adding small little things every day not don't try and do everything all at once don't be like right today i'm cutting chocolate i'm not having any coffee i am going to go for a mile walk i'm going to go for a six mile run i'm going to do <laughs> if you try and do it all at once you won't be able to do it and then you'll be like i can't do this and you'll give up and so if you do baby steps things that are achievable then you you boost your confidence every time you do it and then that just keeps you know evolving and evolving then and one of the things that can be really helpful if you can manage it I think too is using apps to help you track your habits you know especially if you just want to do five minutes a day to start something off because it's a great way you can always find five minutes and uh, that's where technology can be helpful rather than a hindrance. Of course, if it's beeping all the time, reminding you of all your five minute habits, you might want to throw it away, but you know, (laughs) it's making it work for you, isn't it? And Rebecca, yoga, I read one of your blogs about yoga nidra and somebody, you said, oh my God, I love yoga nidra. And somebody replied, yoga, what? So for people who do not know what yoga nidra is, please explain. Oh, yoga nidra is one of my most favorite things in the entire world. Oh God, I'm so glad I found it. It Yoga nidra is, even though it's got the word yoga in it, it's, you don't actually move, which is great for many people you basically lie down throughout like you know it can be sometimes sessions can go from like 20 minutes all the way up to an hour or so and you basically lie down very still throughout the whole the whole session and you get guided through this this state of consciousness where you're you're in between being awake and being asleep so you're like hovering between them and by doing certain practices during that guided, med- it's like almost like a meditation, that guided meditation, you just move your attention to different parts of your body. You have visualization, like basically you go while you're meditating, may walk you through a park, for example, and you walk through the park and you see all these different things. And it's basically just engaging your senses, engaging your body and mind connection, you know, all this stuff. And it drops your stress levels incredibly. Like even while you're doing it, you're heart rate drops like you just relax into this space of just um this bliss absolute bliss and yoga nidra has been found to reduce like like i said stress it's it's people found they sleep better with yoga nidra in their life they are able to feel stuff in their body better say someone goes to the doctor because they're they're in pain where do you feel the pain and you're like well, it's here, describe it. Oh, it's really hard to describe. So I think it's like, you know, people really struggle to talk through what they're feeling in their body. And we're the same with emotions. Can you spot your emotions you're having right now? And often we only know about three emotions. We know we're happy, sad, or annoyed. That's the most of our three main emotions we can pick up. We're very limited in our ability to pick up on stuff. And so that yoga nidra process 
just helps you to connect with your body, different, the tiniest bits on your body that you can actually zone into those sensations, build that connection so you can spot when you're feeling, you know, shame. You can spot when you're feeling joy. You can spot when you're getting a twinge in your knee, a tiny little bit under your kneecap and you can explain it. So it just, it honestly, it, it, it changes, it changes everything. I, yeah, I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I think it is also really easy to find. I mean, you can just go on YouTube or onto a meditation app and you can Google Yoga Nidra and do a short one. And honestly, you'll, you'll never look back. No, it's incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> and I, I, what you said about the emotions as well is really interesting because uh, there's this uh, neuroscientist psychologist, Lisa Feldman Barrett, and she yeah. talks about, yeah, that if, you know, if, if happy and sad are the only two emotions you feel, then you're always going to be happy or crappy kind of. Whereas if you can have 50 shades of happy and 50 shades of crappy, then you can really start to understand where you are in that spectrum. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. You have a whole, you can like, I'm about 3% crappy right now. <laughs> But you can, you can use any words you like to describe it just because it, you don't have to give it a term. You can say, actually, today I feel like crap because when I got up, I stubbed my toe and there's your emotion. Yeah, yeah, I love that because we can't, we don't always pick it up because we, we spend a lot of our time in life trying to squish emotions, you know, like, you know, from childhood, we're told not to, not, not to cry, don't be silly, don't be this, and squish, 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 down it goes, and we've got to behave in a certain way, and all this, you know, toxic positivity around of all this, and that, that tells us we should feel a certain way, so we numb to a lot of the emotions that are going on for us, and we disconnect our mind and body from each other, and it's, it's, there's, there's one guy that, um, I can't remember his name, and I was reading this book, and he was saying that I'm using terms mind and body because that's the only vocab we have for it. But actually, there is no word to describe it, but they're just the same thing. You can't separate them with words. So they're just part of the same energy side of things. And you know, if we're if we've got that disconnect in there, if we haven't like really communicated between them, like because over time we squished it down, I mean, how are we gonna spot what we're feeling? And then when we don't know what we're feeling, we start reacting in ways that we don't really want to react in as well. And Rebecca, I had one question and now it's gone out of my head. I remember what it was. <laughs> The very first time I met Rebecca, Rebecca was doing a talk about gratitude or telling us about gratitude. So maybe Rebecca, before we go today, you tell us a little bit about the power of gratitude and perhaps something you're grateful for. Oh, what a lovely bit to end on. So gratitude is probably one of the most powerful tools you can use to enjoy your present moment. Because often we are, when I get my car, I'll be happier. When I get that house, I'll be happier. When I have that partner, that relationship, that life, I will be happier. And we're all externalizing our happiness to something that we need to achieve in order to feel happy. And actually, life doesn't work like that. If we can actually enjoy what we currently have and we can think, oh, this, you know, I'm at home right now. I am safe. I'm with you know someone I love I'm sitting in a really comfy chair I've got plants around me but you know all this stuff if we can acknowledge how gr you know, grateful we are for this 
present moment, everything we have, then that opens up the world because then we start seeing the beauty and all these little things around us that we never noticed before. And then we start gaining stuff that we actually, we haven't got anything that we didn't have before, but actually it was already always there, but we never saw it. I started doing a gratitude practice, which Oprah Winfrey inspired. And I was doing a gratitude practice of every night before bed, I'd write down three things I was grateful for that day. And I found that the next day I was automatically looking for those things that I could be grateful for. I'd be like, oh, I could write that in my, my um, diary tonight, things like that. And so I was on the lookout for all these things to be grateful for. And I was like, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And it just started building and building and building. And I found that the more stuff I was grateful for, the more good stuff came into my life. And it just started evolving, evolving. And honestly, it's one of the most powerful, powerful tools. And it just makes me feel so blessed by everything. And, and it, it improves my mood, no end, absolutely no end. So yeah, I re highly recommend a gratitude practice, whatever it is to you. you know, my partner does it in the morning. He says one thing he's grateful for in the morning. So you know, it doesn't have to be at night. It just opens your mind to start watching out the stuff you're grateful for. And then I suppose from that, one thing I'm really grateful for, I think I'm really grateful right now for the fact that I'm able to spend more time with my sister. I um over the over lockdown I couldn't see her. she was pregnant over the whole of lockdown and I really really missed seeing her and watching her belly grow and being with and you know my little nephew was growing up and he, like they change so fast when they're little and then so now my niece has come along I'm able to see both of them able to see my sister regularly and I think it's it's just taken our relationship to a whole new level. Now we can see each other so regularly and just because we re we realised how that gap of not seeing each other, it kind of really magnified how vital we were to each other's lives and how we weren't just sisters. We were literally vital cogs in each other's you know, bodies. And, and, and it, it's, yeah, it, the, that shift has made me really, really grateful for the fact that I can see, I can hug her, I can watch my niece and nephew grow up. And yeah, that's, that's one of the things I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for. Ooh, I've got tears in my eyes almost after that because my sister lives in the Czech Republic and I haven't seen her for so long. And my nephew and my niece, my niece is going to be three. I haven't seen her since she was like 18 months. So I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm still really grateful for them, obviously, but just being able to see people in real life. Yeah. I can't wait for travel to be open. I bet. Are you getting to see them on Zoom at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we speak all the time and everything, but and my not it's not the same, no. But my my brother and his wife are, are just about to have a baby. She's in hospital as we speak. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I missed all of her belly growing and everything. So I think a lot of people will relate to that, Rebecca, around the world. And Family is always something to be grateful for. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. I'm very grateful for you, Susan. And I'm grateful, grateful for this conversation. I've loved it so much. So how does someone connect with you, Rebecca? Where can they find you? 
everywhere. Um, so <laughs> we've got um, my website is siendo.co.uk and it's spelled S-I-E-N-D-O, which is actually a Spanish word and it's Spanish for being. Which I love. Yeah, I thought it was very. Is that I was learning Spanish. And I thought, oh, what can I use? And I thought, Siendo. Siendo is a wonderful name. And so yeah, but um, Siendo.co.uk on LinkedIn, Rebecca Cheatham or Siendo there as well. I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. Find me wherever. I'm on YouTube. <laughs> Type in my name, and I will appear. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rebecca. It's been a great conversation. That's been lovely. Thank you. And so I'm much. sure we'll do it again sometime. Yes, I'd love to. Take care. Bye. Imagine if every day you enjoy work, express yourself fully, and exceed expectations. I believe we're all entitled to have this and that the future of work life will be changed by those who strive for and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and wider organisation. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone you know who is curious like you.